Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. You know, it's like been a hundred or what is is it? 150,000 years since Mayor Johnson or the way I want to call him now. Mao Johnson took over the city of Chicago. I mean, he is acting like Mao, isn't he? He's the boss. He's like the un, unaccountable boss. And he's got, he's, was, he was warmed up by um, Tony Preckwinkle and by the state's attorney, Kim Fox. They protect him. And now uh, he's now without any problems. Now he's running the, the city, and he just told Fox or somebody the other day that if you're not from Chicago and you're not uh, giving him solutions, shut your mouth. And he said it like with an accent like that, like he was trying to be Tupac. I don't know what, I don't know what Tupac had to say about, about racist fools, but I'm sure he didn't suffer fools gladly because he's Tupac. And with us today is none other than Erin Geary. Uh, she's a writer, teacher, thinker, and recently a writer with JohnCastNews.com. And also, as always here, Jeff Carlin, my buddy. My buddy Jeff, executive producer, WGN Radio, master of pies, friend of cats. And me, I'm John Cass. Executive editor of John Cass News, your favorite website for some common sense. And uh, I am driven by the majority white, angry, sh- shaveless, and and uh, washless socialists who like to go on Twitter and, and show me their exploding heads. I think there's something pornographic in that, but I'd rather not even touch it. And where are you? As Aaron Gary types away, and as Mayor Mao opens his arms wide, smiling contentedly like a Cheshire cat smile, having eaten the canary and welcoming you into his arms. Where are you, Chicago? You're on the Chicago way on WGN+. Plus. So this is a guy who lives high on the hog, and he has this Tammany Hall-style attitude to power. And um, it is, it's the Chicago way, absolutely. Look, the, the, the Chicago way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago way. The Chicago way. That's the focus. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand, defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river, Castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Aaron Geary, teacher, longtime teacher, Chicago teacher, actually, and advocate for students and for learning, a writer now, 
is our guest, and she's working on a piece for me, John Cass News, which I want to talk about since it's timely. It's the 100 Days of Brandon Johnson. Okay. Um, for the Chicagoans who are interested in learning more about what's going on in their city, they don't need to rely upon dinosaur news. They can Google what Mayor Johnson's plans are for the city, which are in, which is entitled Blue, Building Bridges and Growing the Soul of Chicago, a blueprint for creating a more just and vibrant city for all, was created as a blueprint for Johnson's administration covering 11 areas that included 400 participants from all walks of life because we need to be equitable. And the two major things that's, that stuck out to me, of course, with my educational background was education. And nowhere in this 200 pages do they talk about raising scores. Nowhere do they talk about the poor reading scores and math scores of our students. Instead, they have a five-point plan. Of course. Which is <laughs> loving, liberatory, and a just city for our students, families, and their communities. Democratic and people-powered school governance, progressive revenue to drive equity and fuel investment in young people, and robust college and career programming and pipelines. Well, that's that sounds great, <laughs> I guess, but... There's nothing here that talks about how to get children to read, how to get their math scores up, how to get their writing scores up. Suddenly, the, the Illinois State Board of Education has decided, oh, my gosh, we've been doing STEM so long that now we need to move more toward literacy. And they're starting to promote literacy in the schools, which is great. But their, their plan and Chicago Public Schools plan are not the same plan. So IBSE wants, and Pritzker, they want to spend more money on actual much, hold books it. Time being out, in the time classrooms. Out, time out. Too much jargon, yep. too, many, too many acronyms. I'm just a taxpayer. What does this mean? <laughs> what is ISB? Is, is no offense to you personally, okay? ISB and all this shit, what does it mean? The What I see... And I maybe could I could be wrong, but I doubt it. Is that <laughs> is that the people, the kids from third grade through eighth grade? I'd say maybe five percent, if that many, can do math at a grade level, and five percent five percent can do reading or reading at a grade level for comprehension. They would not be able to when they're high school seniors or later. They would not be able to grasp a HVAC manual and get a real job. Right. And get a decent no. job. You know what the job is? They get out and they go to the Walgreens and they look for old men who have to get diabetes, uh, insulin, and they're looking to pop them. And so the old man has a gun in his, at, at his back, in the back pocket, and he pulls it out, and then there's tragedy. And then you see, like, a lot of mothers crying and a lot of TV reporters running around crying. And putting up, putting up. Uh, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you. Right. But I'm not seeing anything in any of the things that he's saying that is going to make that better. It in equity. And if you look at the statistics of 
well, his statistics, there's more Latinos in the Chicago public schools than there are Blacks in the Chicago public schools. So his focus is going to be on bilingual education, which will hire a lot of bilingual teachers. So that's going to make CTU teachers or CTU um, union people very happy. But it's really not going to help us in the long run because they want to be able to teach these kids in their home languages, which is counterintuitive to them being able to learn in English. You can't do that. And then saying, you know, oh, these these poor kids, we, we need to help them. We need to be more equitable. If I hear that word, word my time, I'm mm. going to throw up. Everything mm. needs to be equitable, but we're not taking care of the problems that we already have. So whether it's the new immigrants that are coming in that are suddenly getting $100 million to house them when we've had black and brown people living in these areas for decades without getting the help that they've needed. They're living on the street in cardboard boxes. Sure. And people who are living on the street, people who do have access to any of the housing programs, they're like, Oh yeah, good luck getting that. It's going to take two and a half years, even if you do. And so the programs are are, are rotted through and through and, and just, being misguided and the, and even i give you know johnson a little bit of credit because some of his focus is on the idea yeah. of but hear me out but the, the they're dry, making students when they come out of school go right for uh, a position in some workforce somewhere right so they're doing a lot of this quote-unquote you know partnerships with uh organizations or or companies but it's really they're forcing hmm. these companies to like you know just take students as they are, and none of these students are going to be trained explicitly well, or actually at a, a point where you would need them to be in, in a corporate world. But they're going to be forced into these companies, and these companies are going to be just mad because you know, okay, wait a minute, what are we getting out of this? You know, higher well, taxes, okay. and we're being forced to be a part of these programs. You have to, in order to get a job Correct. as a union electrician, you right. have to be able to read. If you don't, if you can't read, you can't pass the test and the safety requirements. If you fail the safety requirements on the job, guess what happens? Other people, innocent members of your crew, die. And so, well, and then and, that and that's takes, absolutely one hundred percent correct. But will they even make it to that point? They won't. Where they make can it even to get those point. jobs. I wish they could, but I don't. Oh, they'll, don't get, they'll get the standards lowered so they can and hire people. And that's, I mean, that's the thing. Is oh, there who, we who go. Can, who controls the levers there? It's the same groups. It's the unions. It's the it's the power base in the, uh, in the democratically controlled can, government. Right. So you, you wind up, we're, we're sliding it on the slope where you're going to wind up with electricians, you know, 30 years down the line who are doing stuff like that. And, and how is it? Spurred? Well, know. you know, the whole, I'm thing just, is, the whole thing is silly, but we'll give that line of credit to Johnson in in trying to say that these kids that are in project situations who do are are carrying a lot of trauma and they are carrying a lot of the homelessness and the hunger and the what have you into their school settings but they are also receiving free well at least when I was teaching free breakfast free lunch they tried a free dinner program for them while their parents are still getting the welfare checks and the food stamps. And it's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm clueless as to where this money is going and why we are having so much overlap in this. And then you get into the whole public safety. If you're not safe going to school, that you need to hire people at $15.80 an hour for five hours when literally 
you are just crossing them from one street to the next, waiting for five hours until they need to be crossed back across the street. You know, it's a great jobs program if you can get it. But you're you're hiring these people $15.80 an hour to be safety walkers to make sure the kids are getting where they need to be. Right. Then you've got, you're opening up another bigger issue, which is schools. It's the environments in which these kids are raised. And his public safety policy, of course, is, quote, charting a new path and trying to repair the historical harms from traditional policing. So is it it a called shining? Yeah. Well, they want to fund a Chicago torture memorial. That's part of their thing. Oh, yeah. And it makes me laugh. For millions of dollars. Because I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, you want the community to work in tandem with police, but you're constantly going to have a reminder of police torture because you want to make a memorial for the people who were hurt or harmed by police officers. And I'm not saying, you know, every police officer is, you've got bad apples regardless of what profession you're in. But it's counterproductive. You can't say we want to bring the communities together in tandem with police, but then do a police torture memorial. It just, that's, that's not going to work. It's just reinforcing the fact that you can't trust police officers, which is really what he wants because he wants to bring in more community activists and what have you. So who are going to be overwhelmed. They're, they're not going to be able to deal with they, what they deal with and, Parkview Commons. I mean, it's just, it's, it's absurd. It's, it's a nice treatise to talk about because it makes people feel good, but there's really nothing concrete, nothing concrete that are, is going to help our children, nothing concrete that is going to help the regular city people living day to day, just wanting to make a paycheck and help their families. There's Jeff nothing Car- in here. It's Jeff, it's, Jeff Carlin and I, are talking to Aaron Geary, writer, Chicago Contrarian, Chicago Johncast News, and a bunch of other places. She's got a piece out this Sunday, hope you read it, um, targeting Mayor Brandon Johnson's 100 Days of Solitude, or whatever he wants to call it. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, you should know that Aaron Geary, excellent writer that she is, began her career as a Chicago teacher, as a public school teacher, let's say. And uh, you were a naive, you're the young white girl, naive white girl, hoping like, what happened, watched To Sir With Love and other movies like this. And you, exactly. You wanted to, you or up, you read Up the Down Staircase, and you wanted to improve their the lives of the kids in Chicago. Did you not? How yeah, long did, how long did. Absolutely right. So how long did it take you to be disabused of this notion, this fantasy? And uh, how did how did it come about that you were you had to be mugged by reality to wake up? Well, at the time that I started substituting in CPS, I was a flight attendant for Midway Airlines before they went bankrupt. And my stepmother was principal of Gage Park High School. So on wow. days that I was not flying. I would go in and I would sub for teachers. But at in my early 20s, when you're dealing with 
kids that are taller than you and sometimes 19 years old, 18 years old. Right. I, I didn't get the feeling that high school teaching would be my forte and um, went more into elementary school teaching. And at the time, they had the Chicago Consortium, where if you had a bachelor's degree, you, you would take just really the education classes that you were missing. And so um, I did that. And my first job was in the back of the yards at Hedges as a resource teacher. So I was teaching, um, and they had school two schools at the time. So one was, gosh, because they were overcrowded. One was kindergarten through fifth, and the other school that I would have to drive through was sixth through eighth. Um, mostly Hispanic. Didn't know Spanish. They tried to get us learning Spanish, but that didn't work out um, for a variety of reasons. So you ended up using kids as translators for you. Um, sometimes they were siblings. So if you were doing appearing teacher mm-hmm. conferences, they knew their sibling would get in trouble. So it wasn't always wasn't always translated correctly. So that, that was a little interesting. But it was more of an English uh, add-on. So I was teaching writing. I was teaching sixth graders um, of very uh, common American version of Othello. I'm doing haunted houses at Halloween, things like that. And But really just wanted my own classroom because at the time I was bouncing from classroom to classroom. Yeah. And then I got an opportunity to work at Mollison and they made no bones about the fact that they were hiring me because I was white. And it was like, you know, they wanted the quota system of 30%, 30 30%, 30%. Uh Um, It was a great experience. I'm sorry. They'd driven off some white teachers and they had to replace them with young kids, right? Let's get them. Let's get them. Um, Well, they just wanted to make, at the time, CPS wanted to make sure that the clientele of teachers that were serving the students were getting a full gamut of the city. So it was 30% black, 30% Hispanic, 30% white. We weren't. They tried. We weren't. But she was very forthcoming and said, this is the reason why I'm hiring you. And just like any other affirmative action, I was like, wait a second. (laughs) I'm not being hired for my skill. I'm being hired for the color of my skin. So it pushed me harder to try harder to, to fit in. And I met, you know, two of my best friends came from Best Away recently, but the other I'm still very close with. And we just started to see things devolve from there. And it was mostly not so much systematically, but from the parents. You're you're talking generational illiteracy. So the things that you were doing in a classroom, you would try to send home to the parents in hopes that they would get on board. We even had a um, an after-school, come meet your teachers, let's yeah. talk. We had packets made for the parents, the grandparents, or whatever. And literally, I, I mean, it was mind-blowing to me because one of the grandparents came up to me and she said, I would really like, and was whispering, I would really like to help the child, but I can't read even the directions that are on this. And I mean, that to me was like, holy cats, I'm dealing in a totally different thing than what I imagined it was going to be. And um, I ended up staying at Mollison for a while. And then right before I was getting married, my husband was concerned about um, the neighborhood. And he 
really didn't want me being there anymore and I moved on. But you just had a break for the kids because they're doing the best they can. They're, yeah. You're trying to do what you can in a six-hour day, but teachers now are having way more. It's not reading, writing, and arithmetic anymore, and I don't know why we got away from that. Uh, you know, even sex ed doesn't need to be in schools. It really doesn't. I mean, seriously, if your parent can't put you on a program that teaches you about sex, if they're too shy to talk about it. Um, we, we had a guy, we had a guy, a guy named Dr. Fitch. Okay. And the big talk in Oaklawn hometown district 123 was when Dr. Fitch would talk to you, uh, talk to you collectively, uh, all the boys one day, all the girls the next day, uh, about sex. We'd have a sex talk. And uh, he started talking about a pretty girl. I want you to think about a pretty girl in a cashmere sweater. She's I don't blonde. like where this is going. And pardon me? I don't like where this is going, John. <laughs> I don't either because it's like, uh, because I did. I did not. I was turning a beet red, and I couldn't. I couldn't stay in the room. I had to leave because I was, <laughs> well, I was like overwhelmed by passions, and uh, you know, and and it's you don't need it. No, you know? but we. It's we it's sh- another thing taken away from reading, writing, and math, and in a school it. system that you are, you're you're bringing in all these social problems, right, and social dilemmas in an area where kids can't read why i don't i'm just i'm clueless as to why that is i don't understand and well i mean if we want to be cynical it's because they really don't want the kids to learn to read because ignorance means a vote they don't want ignorance means a vote they don't want them to read they want them to to sit there like mushrooms and be fed crap and kept in the darkness that's how you raise mushrooms. Yes. That's how he was. That's how Johnson was raised to be mayor. Same way as Lori Lightfoot was raised. She only learned what the score was a little bit when it was too late. He will never know. When he's quoting Tupac Shakur, lies and real lies and lies or whatever. That God is pathetic. Because not only is he not only is he quoting an illiterate, but he's also quoting someone who doesn't understand politics. I'm sorry that no. Tupac Shakur is dead, but he wasn't a political philosopher. And uh, no. and that's where we're at, we're at. And there doesn't seem to be a pushback enough. And I that's what makes me fearful. Uh, even like, if you do push back, you're you know, you're condemned anyway. So it doesn't so why would anybody want to float that, that boat down that river? Because We've seen it, and any any reporter tries to ask him something that is counterins to one of his you know communiques he puts out. Marianne Ahern, right? Marianne Ahern, for example. I mean, she had one of those interviews recently. We were talking about this, mentioning things before, but um, off air here. But I mean, Aaron, you brought up, but she she was you know Marianne. She's tough, and Johnson did nothing but deflect and you know tap dance around any information, you know, any real answers. It was all this, you know, regurgitation of talking points that are not his. Right. And she just kept trying to put his feet to the fire, especially with how much Stacey Gates is involved 
in his administration. Right. And he well, wouldn't answer the question. And I'm like, uh, and she even said, well, if you're not going to answer this question, then you're kind of leading people to believe that she has a bigger role than you're letting on. And he's like, she, he just kept repeating, she's the president of CTU and I'm the mayor. And I'm like, but you're not <laughs> answering the question at all with what is going on. And clearly, and she, he wouldn't even answer whether the teachers are going to get a raise. Well, I got to change the thing. I called, well, you know. I called him Mayor Mayor. I called him Mayor Mao, but now I got to ch- maybe change the thing because the way he's answering those questions is more like Jaime the robot from Maxwell Smart. You know, like lit- <laughs> everything is lit- everything is literal <laughs> to this guy. Smart. What? Like get yes, smart. Max, get smart. That's great. What? Right. I, it's yeah. yeah it, I just it, I. The pushback is, I mean, like I said, even if, if you try to push back, this guy is Teflon. I mean, he doesn't, even with it, we talked about this last week, John, too, the whole idea of the, you know, the Arwitty firing and then any any pushback on that is, you know, it's, he sees as being, well, you're not with us, you're against us. You know, it's like, well, how is it? How are you supposed to be all about equity and inclusion? But, you know, if dare you say or look the other way, you know, it's. Well, where are the papers? Where are the, where are the newspapers on this? I yeah, don't... well. Well, I'm asking. I don't want to be the one always to be the skunk at the party. <laughs> you know, Greg, Greg Pratt and all the other socialist little uh, snowflakes that warm their tiny fists in rage and start <laughs> screaming, crying, blubbering. Here comes Snoozy Snowflake. Here she's going to pop again. She's going to melt again. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. What are they doing? What are the editorial boards in the what what are the editorial boards of the Sun Times and Tribune? Well, w B E Z owned his, Sun Times, etc. His COO is coming out and basically saying, Well, it's gonna be more than a year and you gotta give it time and, and he's saying the same thing. Well, it's only been a hundred days, and I'm thinking, okay, of your first year. You had all these grand plans. You told everybody what you were going to be doing Big within doctor. your first hundred days, right. and you haven't done any of it. it. You know, photo op, photo op mayor. That's great that he feels like a celebrity and that he's popular, but it's not helping the people of the city. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's that popular, but he he does. He is kind of like a plump. He's like a plump uh, celebrity. Like may he's gained some weight from stress. Obviously, I, I know yeah. what that's like. Yeah, it's happened to me too. I understand. Uh, I would say, Brendan, Brendan, start drinking whiskey, start smoking, maybe three packs a day, and and cut down the weight on that, yeah. and and start dealing with the problems. But see, Aaron, you're writing this piece because he's not dealing with the problems, correct? No. He's not dealing with any of them. What about whether it's housing, whether it's transportation, whether it's health and human services? I mean, seriously. Um, and that personally is where I think he's going to be putting most of his focus. That's going to be unions. Everything is going to be unions and taxes. And it's leaving the kids out and it's leaving homeowners out. I mean, the rich can move on, but the middle class can't. They, you know, for example, my husband's an electrician. He's got five more years before he can retire. Local, he has to stay in the area. Local nine or uh, 
What it where is No, it? 134. 134. Oh yeah. He's at okay. local one. Yeah. yeah. I know that. I so know that he's, he's counting down the years and even, even from his perspective, which I find really interesting because he has to work many times in CPS schools. He looks through them and he's horrified. He's like, these kids are, these schools are over a hundred years old. We're trying to put new systems in them for controls of like heating, electric, um, heating and cooling. And he's, he's looking around him and he's like, there's lead paint peeling from the walls. The, the school's a disaster. It should just be completely demolished and rebuilt for the amount of money that they are spending in themselves. It would be cheaper to just demolish them and rebuild on the playgrounds that are right beside. And they're not going to do that. So it's just you're telling people you're saying that there's no real hope. And I, I agree with you. If you, if you're, you know what, the educational product is below par. If you if if you send your kids to the Chicago public schools, aren't you submitting them to child abuse just by sending them there? Well, there is there better be some better options. And the funny thing is, is that he keeps touting the fact that his kids go to CTU CPS schools. Yeah, they're magnet schools. He taught at a magnet school, so he leaves that out of the equation. And I'm not discounting the fact that it magnet schools are under the umbrella of CPS, but they're not a typical CPS school. So parents need to understand that too. And they they need to, I don't know, there's just so many things that parents have in their grasp, but they don't know the tools to do it. And that's going to be the biggest hurdle on the west and south sides of Chicago. That's going to be the biggest problems. They're sending their kids out of a project. They're praying that their kid is going to be okay at a school. They have no idea what their kids are learning. Everything is on computers at this point. Um, they're not allowed to bring the computers home because the computers can get wrecked. So the teachers then make make uh, not pamphlets, but um, groups of papers together for the kid to have a week to do their homework and then turn it in on a Friday. God knows how it's graded. Uh, working at Project Hood, I, I love Pastor Brooks. I tried getting something started there for after school to try to help the kids and tutor the kids. There were girls in there from seventh grade who were getting B's, as in boy, in their writing classes who could barely put three sentences together. And I'm, I'm, it w- made me out of my mind. What do you do? So I'm showing them, okay, well, you know, let's let's look at this again and let's try to do this step by step because you need to have don't be the mean white lady. I mean, the mean white lady. The mean white lady is telling me I gotta spell. Oh. Come on. Nobody wants well, to do it that. De- I mean, it depends on the kids. I'm I'm gonna be honest. Some of them were like, I'm not doing this because this is too much work, and they would show up every other week. Consistency, even in the Chicago public schools, is down you and i in my personal opinion we need to go back to having truancy officers that actually knocked on the doors of these people's houses and said hey your kid needs to be in school because the kids aren't showing up or if they do it's after a two-week absence and then they're behind um one of the students that i talked with his math teacher quit in the middle of the school year 
and they couldn't find another math teacher. So literally, there was no math being taught. And he was in sixth grade. There's, it's just such a mess. And the things that could easily be rectified are not the things that are top for Mayor Johnson. And that just floors me. You say that you're for the kids, you want to tout the fact that you were a teacher, but you're not doing anything to help them. Because he's a phony. And it, and it angers me. That, that he's a phony, he's a- and so are, so is the CT. Just admit it. Let's get to the heart of it. Admit to what's going on. The CTU runs Johnson. He's their puppet. They give him two hundred grand to sit on his fat ass, and that's all he does. Bleep that out, please, the expert. And uh Jeff. <laughs> and uh and that's all. That's he gets away with it and they get away with it. Stacy Davis Gates is the de facto mayor. Tony Preckwinkle is the other brain of the three headed monster, and so's the third head is uh Kim Fox or whoever they put in there or that Tony says to put in, and that's it. And if you are in Chicago, if you're staying in Chicago, you better keep your mouth shut. And I'll say it again and again. When they, when they pushed and, and, and Lori called me and said, I'm going with uh, Kim Fox. I said, no, you're not. And she said, yeah, I'm, I got to back her. And I said, if you back her, you're going to ruin the city. You're ruining the city. And you know what? She went because she was afraid and she backed her. And I asked a Democrat, I say, say it then, I say it again. Democrat has been around the top reaches of politics. It's a friend of mine for many, many decades. And I said, what do you, what, what message is your, is your party sending when they put Kim Fox and Tim Evans up for reelection? And he said, what message? Here's the mess. Here's the message. Get the out. That's the message. And everyone knows that. So whoever could leave has left. Johnson says, shut up. You got the socialists on social media screaming at you if you dare say anything. And brave people like Aaron Gary still trying to help the kids, trying to do something, trying to convince somebody. And And all that's fallen on deaf ears. What happens next, everyone? I think everyone should be reading How Do You Like Brandon Now? Which <laughs> is the which is the column by Erin Gary. And uh she's she's written passionately on education, on politics, on neighborhood stuff, on important stuff. She's pro choice on schools. And uh, I'm very proud to know her, and to help you, those of you out there who don't know her, a chance to know about her. One thing you have to know, though, I'm going to leave you with this, everyone. Businesses are shutting down because of crime. And big boy, Governor Pritzker, he talks about Saving businesses by bring by giving them grants to keep open. The man has never run a business in his life. My family has. They know how to keep a payroll. 
And you can't run a business if you're letting people steal from you every minute. It just doesn't work. Even a even a can of can of uh, crab meat. You can't you can't lose a can of crab meat. Someday I'll tell you that story. For for Aaron Gary, Aaron, <laughs> thanks for being with us. Yeah, it was great. Oh, sure, absolutely. And for Jeff Carlin, executive producer of WGN Radio, friend of cats, friend of pies, and for me, which you know, and he, you know, he hasn't made me a pie. I think he's. In oh, league. that's not true. Oh, come on! I, you know what? I, I, I the cardiologist said, <laughs> "Oh, we yes, we we we, we reached." Uh, Jeff Carlin to make sure he doesn't make you pies. <laughs> and for me, John Cass, executive editor, John Cass News, husband, father, and co-host here on the Chicago Way podcast. Join us again, won't you? When we talk about, I don't know what we're going to talk about, because it is the Chicago Way on WGN+. Plus.